You're listening to RNIB Connect Radio. It's time now for Ask the Pharmacist, and our resident pharmacist joins us now, Elizabeth Roddick from New Life Pharmacy. Hi, Elizabeth. Bonjour, Simon. Comment ça va? Oui. Yeah, I'm just back from a holiday in France, and you've got two, possibly four new UK listeners. I met on their own, uh, Kathy and Bill from Kent, and Anne and Ian from Glasgow. So that's good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, hello, hello. Uh, nice to have you along. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, the, 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 you'll be uh, being scrutinised now, Elizabeth. Yeah, I know. I, I won't continue in French. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything else. <laughs> I've, I've often thought that I could get by in France as long as I only needed a hat and I needed to slide and <laughs> I, I needed to point out a house. That's about it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Righty-ho, now we've got uh, some headlines to get behind and uh, medical stories, ten a penny at the moment. But uh, we'll kick off with uh, a recent news piece that suggested that uh, bananas are an effective way to naturally improve eye health. Now, if only it was that simple. Yeah, this was an 18-year study of over 100,000 men and women looking at increased fruit intake, specifically bananas, for better eye health. The study was looking at neovascular age-related macular degeneration. This is more serious than the normal AMD where blood and fluid leak underneath the retina. And, and as well as blind spots in the, in the central vision, you can become completely blind. Um, another study in Nigeria combined a banana and a herb called oronal to treat macular degeneration with some success. So... I was wondering what it is about bananas that could make them beneficial to the eyes, and I think it's the vitamin A. Now, vitamin A has a role in protecting the eye membranes and also is, uh, in providing light in the cornea. But an overripe banana will probably have a high glycemic value, and I talked about GI figures before glycemic index, and too high a GI can, in fact, predispose you to macular degeneration. So it's all about making sure, yes, you involve bananas, take bananas within a really good diet. So why not just take vitamin A? Well, first of all, I feel it's best to get vitamins and minerals from food, but but of course, with our imported foods, soils, depletion, essential minerals, food probably won't contain everything you need, all the essential nutrients. Vitamin A is also a fat-soluble vitamin, so you can overdose very easily with vitamin A. Please ask for advice on that. Possibly the best supplements, I think, for eye health are lutein and zeaxanthin. I, I know some optometrists recommend these supplements to patients. So it's, it's worthwhile asking when you go for a regular check, what do they suggest in terms of supplements? And also, I suppose there's always a cautionary tale. They're quite high in potassium, so if you're eating a lot of them, uh, if you've got kidney problems, it'd be nice to get some advice on that as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And also even some medicines uh, where you take, uh, for instance, for blood pressure. Uh, Some of these, if you take too much potassium with them, you can end up with a hyperkalemia, too much potassium in the blood. So, yes, I think it's moderation. Yeah, part of, of your diet, yeah. Okay, well, moving on. Now, 
Omega-3 fish oils, certain amino acids, folate and vitamin D may boost the beneficial effects of antidepressants. So that's interesting. Yeah, this was a collaborative study, Simon, published in the American Journal of Psychiatry. Some of the researchers reported they had some financial interest in the field, so that may show some bias in reporting. The two nutrients that did show evidence in the trials were omega-3 and folic acid. And people with depression were given natraceuticals. Now, these are nutrient-based supplements that are up to pharmaceutical standards. The problem with a lot of supplements out there, you're unaware of whether they do contain the right strengths without contaminants or of good quality. I remember one research project looking at, at lots of vitamin D products in, through America and they didn't find either they contained the right amount or some of them didn't contain any. Some of them were actually an overdose. So always buy supplements from a reputable company. Now, omega-3 definitely showed a beneficial effect compared to placebo, and that's where the person's taking a sugar tablet. And out of four trials with folic acid, two of the studies showed a reduction in depression, but one study didn't show any effect. And vitamin D also did show a positive effect. It's difficult to draw strong conclusions from this research. First of all, when you start taking an antidepressant, you can get a mild side effect, maybe nausea, plus it can take quite a long while to work. So this needs to be talked through if you're getting one for the first time from your doctor. But it does sound as if omega-3 is a worthwhile supplement. As I said, it has to be a good quality make. And, and a word of caution there, there was one research project suggesting men with prostate cancer should not take omega-3, but there have been researchers since suggesting this wasn't the case. But if, for example, you do have prostate cancer, check with your doctor before taking. All right, good advice there. Moving on now, this, this this would be fantastic if it's true. Um, breast cancer breakthrough after a milestone genetic discovery. Yeah, researchers from England were studying the changes in breast tissue when a woman gets cancer. And I'm saying a woman, but of course a man can get breast cancer, but it's much less common. And what happens in cancer, there's a genetic mutation in the tissue. Something happens to make the cells divide differently. So it was a study of the DNA in breast cancer that's led to possible new targeted treatments, and that was the exciting thing about this research. They identified 93 genes, which they mutate, and, and the mutation of that could cause breast cancer. Ten of the genes were identified as, as causing 62% of cancers. And although this is an exciting breakthrough, even if that particular gene is present, it doesn't mean that the person will go on to produce cancerous cells. It does mean, though, there is an increased risk. And what we have to say just now is that it takes several years before new treatments can be developed. And of course, if you have one of the increased risk genes, you can reduce the chance of developing cancer with all the usual bits of advice, reduce alcohol, increase exercise, eating healthily. And I would add making sure your vitamin D level is adequate. I mean, if you never expose your skin to the sun and, and live in the north, then you'll probably be deficient in the vitamin D. And, and we know from research that women with higher levels of vitamin D on diagnosis have smaller tumours and have better outcomes. So it's worthwhile looking at that as well. Now, moving on to uh, one that um, well, I thought was quite interesting. I'm back out on, on my bike, Elizabeth, and, uh, trying to get another... You mean uh, it's nice weather here? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get, uh, trying to get uh, make the most of um, 
my eyesight while I've got it, you know, for, for the cycling. But there's one here that talks about short bursts of intense exercise produce similar results to uh, more long-term exercise. Now, I've heard about this before, but it's quite extreme, isn't it? Yeah, this was a Canadian study. I mean, they asked 27 men, two, two men dropped out, who didn't really do any exercise to either do this high-intensity training or, or moderate-intensity training. What they're testing was, first of all, oxygen uptake. Um, they wore a mask to see how much oxygen was taken in. I mean, your lungs and heart work much better with more oxygen. And insulin sensitivity, that's another measure. That's a measure of how quickly the body gets rid of glucose from the blood. And if you have high insulin sensitivity, then that can lead to type 2 diabetes. And the third check was interesting. It was, it was muscle mitochondrial content. And that was taken as a biopsy of muscle. And this shows how efficient muscle is in terms of, of energy use. Both exercises, they had a two-minute uh, warm-up and, and a three-minute cool-down. The intense one, they had three 20-second bursts, as you say, very intense, Simon, and then two minutes low intensity, up to 10 minutes. The moderate uh, group cycled for 45 minutes, and that was at 70% of maximum heart rate. Now, oxygen intake improved by about 19% for both exercise groups. So that was the first thing they were checking. Insulin sensitivity improved by 53% in the high-intensity program and, and, and moderate intensity. And the efficiency of the muscle cells increased by 48% with the intense program and 27% the moderate. So the researchers suggest a 10-minute intense exercise so you've got your warming up two minutes and then calming down again and cooling down. It's as effective as 45 minutes of moderate type exercise. So it's a small study. We can't say for sure how beneficial the intense exercise is. However, people who say they don't have time for exercise, uh, they know perhaps after visiting their doctor, they need to check if they're allowed to do this intense exercise because clearly if you have a heart condition, check with your doctor first. But to be able to do this within about 15 minutes, say three times a week, will be incredibly beneficial. So is that the time you take on your bike, Simon? I prefer the more traditional. <laughs> it just it just seems to me that it's not a natural way of exercising, therefore you you, you think it could be benefits, but it, it, mm, I, don't, well, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. just wondering about going back to when we all lived in caves. I think I think the men folk went out and tried to get, get meals for, for the women, and they did these very intense rushes. Mm. Uh, and I'm wondering whether that's going back to these times and maybe our bodies deal with that well. But they do say, don't they, that when you do these bursts of intense exercise for 10 or 20 seconds, it, it stimulates that f uh, fight or flight kind of response in the body yeah. sort of thing, doesn't it? Yeah, so. which we do when we're standing in a queue in a, in a supermarket, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 we want to dissipate all the chemicals that are produced, and this is a great way of doing it, I think. Yeah, well, interesting. Um, but as, as Elizabeth says, perhaps an idea to check with uh, your doctor, especially if you've got any other health uh, issues as well. Yeah. I'll move on to um, the last one. Now, this is probably of interest to uh, a, a lot of people. Um, the secret of youthful looks are in ginger gene. Now, please explain. <laughs> This was collaborative work among the researchers from China, Netherlands, the University of Leeds, and 
And there was a link with Unilever, so that could mean they might develop an anti-aging project product in the future. So, so three of the researchers worked for the company. So a little bit of question mark over that. The MCIR gene or 1R gene is known to show the characteristics of red hair, fair skin and sunspots. Sounds a bit uh, north of the border to me. <laughs> the press suggested these people look two years younger. But in fact, the research found that they actually looked two years older. Sorry about that. But because there were four varieties of the gene, we can't really say about looking younger and older. They were studying links between genes and facial aging, such as wrinkles. I think many women would like to know, maybe men as well, to know the answer, to be able to purchase that potion that makes the skin look younger, maybe a new anti-aging therapy. They looked at under just under 3,000 elderly Dutch Europeans. Researchers were then asked to guess their age with five-year brackets. And the DNA of the participants was analysed. Compared with people who didn't carry any of these four MC1R DNA variants, those who carried a single copy looked about one year older. People who carried two variants looked two years younger. Uh, sorry, two years older. I'm afraid the effect was greater in men than women, Simon. So out of the study, there was a greater understanding of the biological basis of looking younger, but it's thought that they will one day get new anti-aging products looking at the genes. But of course, I was talking about sunshine. We know that UV light from the sun causes wrinkles and ages and uh, ages our skin. I, I sort of think that in the way we feel is is probably better than how we look. If you feel happy and healthy, then that will shine through and you'll see me younger. I, I think that's the, the key for it at the moment until these guys get the genetics sorted out. And, uh, and they always recommend that we should keep ourselves well hydrated, don't they? Yeah, good idea as well. Hydrated from the inside out. Yep, yep, with right, wa- with water, of course. Well, nothing to do with alcohol, as you know. Mm, mm, <laughs> it had the opposite, opposite effect. <laughs> yes. Dehydrate. <laughs> Thanks for that, Elizabeth. If you have any questions at uh, at home, uh, anything to do with perhaps any any um, medical questions that you would like a little bit of advice on, Elizabeth's only too happy to to point you in the right direction. Uh, it might be over medicines or, or anything at all. So you can drop me a line here via the website, or you can get in touch with Elizabeth directly through her website, which is www.newlifepharmacy.co.uk. Elizabeth Roddick. Lovely to have you back. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir, Simon. You're listening to RIB Connect Radio.